Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sires, where we talk sires. Look at me go. I'm just I'm knocking it out of the park right off the bat. We talk uh, comics, movies, TV, music. We do this every uh, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. We do it on TalkingAlternative.com. We do it on Periscope, which I got on the right hand side of me. We do it on Facebook, which I got dead center uh, ahead of me. Uh, I hope people enjoy the new. Uh, the new studio setup in studio here. I think it's uh, I think it's going to work pretty good. Uh, we are also, like I said, streaming on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, and you can check out the live video, which I'm actually now sharing across the cosmos. Um, we got a great show tonight. We, we actually almost didn't have a show. Um, my wife uh, decided that... Um, it, she'd had enough of me. That was it. She locked me out of the house. Now, we were actually, we were home. I was out. I left the, de- I always leave the door, you know, unlocked when I'm, when I'm bike riding. Now everyone can go rob my house, which is good. I won't tell you where I live, but um, come back and I'm, I'm riding back and I'm like, I know it. I know she locked me out. And she did. And um, don't have the spare key with me at the moment. So I'm, I'm basically sitting outside my own house uh, with about an hour to go to get into the studio and, and get myself situated. So, um Maybe, maybe she's trying to tell me something about the show. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe there's nothing. Uh, I want to welcome Jersey Jedi in the Periscope feed, Slick Mick DeRuler, who I think actually just dropped off because, you know, he can only, there's only so much of me he can take. Uh, and uh, Dan T. Lawson, who actually met me at uh, New York Comic Con and picked up, uh, picked up one of the Sire trade paperbacks. So, Dan, thank you so much. I really appreciate, uh, appreciate the support. And uh, we've got more support, too. Uh, we've also got our, our Patreon people, uh, welcome again. Jersey Jedi is actually one of our executive producers. It's Brian Phillips. Um, he gets a, uh, oh, Dante Lawson, loving the book. All right. Awesome. Love hearing that as well. Um, you know, basically we have our Patreon feed. If you go to michaeldolce.com, it'll take you right to the Patreon feed. And, uh, we've got our dedicated fans, Einar Peterson and Heshley Hakai. Our program director, Stephanie Dolce. Our executive producer, Steve Hovecki, who is joined by Brian Phillips as the co-executive producers. And our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. And we'd like to welcome our latest backer, uh, which is uh, my main man, Matt Beyer, who runs a professional organizing company. His, his stuff is amazing. I'm actually going to be on his TV show in November sometime. He does a TV show at uh, Connecticut One, something like that. I don't know. But uh, we're going to be organizing comics and collectibles. It's going to be very exciting. I'm telling you, it's, gonna, it's killer can't beat it um and we also want to recognize john hoff the third who backed us for a day and then realized he didn't have the money to back us anymore so you know he's still following me on twitter so i got to imagine that he didn't he wasn't like offended i wonder if he like backed the show and then he actually listened to the show and he's like oh i i don't really want to back this thing um if you want your name shouted on the on the interwebs uh back me for a day and then and then pull out and i'll still call you out no no if you want your name shouted out go to michaeldolce.com check out our patreon page Quarter a show. That's all I'm asking for, really. A dollar a month. I mean, how, you can't, can't beat that. I'll give you a shout-out on air. And, uh, you know. Oh, and at Aspada Primera Stark just joined in as well. Uh, Saints Girl listening. Is, oh, good. We miss Saints Girl. So, as it turns out, one of my earliest, like, fans uh, was a um, Twitter user called Saints Girl 878 And uh, we were on at Fridays at 12, and then as it turned out, or Fridays, sorry, Fridays at 11, Fridays at 12 is uh, 21st Century Entrepreneur on TalkingAlternative.com, which you can check them out, Joan and JC. And uh, she used to come in all the time, and then we moved to Wednesdays at 8 p.m., she never came on the Periscope feed anymore. I was like, oh, it's too bad, I miss it. Turns out Dan T. Lawson is married to Saints Girl 878, and she's the one that got him into the show, so that's... uh, it's very good. So they keep it in the family, and, and, and they tune in uh, almost every week. So uh, appreciate that. And uh, a shout-out to Saints Girl 878 as well, too, uh, for checking us out. Now, don't forget, this is a call-in show, 877-480-4120. And, and i got to be honest, this is a jam-packed show. Uh, we've got Russ Wooten of The Walking Dead. I mean, he, he actually works on The Walking Dead comic book. He's the letterer. So he actually gets Robert Kirkman's scripts months in advance before anybody gets them. So we're going to definitely talk about the most anticipated um, season premiere that's coming out this, this weekend, uh, which is Walking Dead Season 7. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get him fired. I'd like to, I'd like to keep his job. That's, that's you know what I'm aiming at. But we're going to get a little bit of insight as much as we can. And then we're going to have him on again next week because next this Sunday is obviously the, the Walking Dead season premiere. So we're going to have a, um, 
you know, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about, you know, working behind the scenes. How does he, you know, how does he keep a tight lip on, on the spoilers? Because he's, like I said, he gets these scripts three, four months in advance. So he knows who lives and dies. And then we're going to fast forward to next week and we're going to get his reaction from who dies, uh, who gets beaten, bloody to a pulp. Is it going to go the way the comic book went? Is it going to go a little bit different? I have my theory. Um, some folks have their theories and they really, really analyze these, these trailers like crazy. Um, but anyway, we're going to have him on. But first, all right, we're going we're gonna to talk about this superhero power list now it's funny it, you know it's it's i mean we try to plot out our shows in advance as much as possible i really do like i actually have i've guests booked through november i have you know i have some some other guests that are on a waiting list that want to come on because everyone wants to come on everyone when you have a show everyone wants to come on because you know i mean i pay for the lights to be on but you know whatever they won't want to be on but now I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking these people yet no um but so this was going to be all Walking Dead, and it's like, this is great. And we're going to have, like I said, tons of Walking Dead talk, so uh, hang tight. We'll definitely be doing that. But Entertainment Weekly, it's one of my favorite magazines. You know, I love Entertainment Weekly. I'm a subscriber. I've been a subscriber for like 10 years. Uh, it's a great take on everything. It's a great take on, um, you know, pop culture in general. Uh, I get some of my material from them, too. They come out with a superhero power index, okay? It's a superhero hashtag superhero power list. And... Immediately upon reading it, and anybody who's a fan of the show, anybody who's listened to this show before, you know, knows that I hate politicizing uh, story. You know, when it comes down to, I just did, I just did a podcast with Derek Becker, who we had on last week, uh, and he, and we talked about that, and he actually talked, and he said he's like, you know, for a podcast that talks about a whole range of different things, you don't really focus on one thing. I said, yeah, but I do focus on one thing. It's all about story, right? Character. It's all, it, it all, you know, whatever the movie, if it's a movie, if it's a TV show, if it's a comic book, doesn't matter what it is. It all comes down to story, right? And I don't want anything, that to me is like the purest thing you can do. Uh, so anytime people use it for an agenda, right? Like if they, like, you know, we saw the, the, new, the, the new Iron Man over the summer, right? Who's now a black teenager. But now she's not, actually. They're going back to Tony Stark already, you know? Anytime, it, it, you know, it screams like, oh, God, this is like they're taking Iron Man and they're making a political statement with it. You know, they're making a PC statement with it. Entertainment Weekly is no different, though, right? I mean, look, and, and I get it. You know, this list is meant to spur conversation, and they're doing it. I, I mean, immediately, I, I reacted to the number one person on the list, and I'm like, I'm like, come on, really? Like, the, it's, it's the most popular super... So, to, to get it out, they basically um, put Wonder Woman as number one, right? And, and the most power... Now, they, they have a criteria, and I'll read you, I'll read you that criteria that they... That they um, yeah, and Dan T. Lawson doing it for no other reason but it, that it's currently PC. I agree. I agree. That's exactly the point. Cultural impact, bankability, design, modern relevance, mythology, nemesis, originality, personality, powers. And this is what they did. So they basically gave it, at least they have a ranking system. It wasn't just totally subjective. Now, mind you, most of these things are subjective. But I guess going by these kind of things, cultural impact... I think that's an ex that is something they're an expert at. They're an expert at cultural impact. They're an expert on relevancy, modern relevance. That's one of them. Bankability. I think that's another one where, okay, awesome. If it was just those three categories, I could see them picking Wonder Woman as number one because it fits that, it fits that bill. But then you also kind of have things like originality. And, okay, Again, I get it. Putting Superman at the top of this list, it's not really going to spur debate, or maybe it will, considering how bad his films were recently. Uh, you know, I didn't expect any less from Entertainment Weekly to put Wonder Woman there. Uh, but originality? Like, originality. Okay, Superman was the very first superhero, yet he is not considered original. Maybe it's because everyone has kind of aped off of him or cloned off of him, but he is the most original superhero. Why? He was the first one. I mean, you don't get more original than that. Uh, I mean, if you're going with creativity, yeah, she's, she's an Amazonian uh, princess, you know. Dan T. Lawson just, just chimed in, how do they rank the nemesis? Okay, that's another one, too. So they have originality for Wonder Woman 9.3 over a Batman 8.0. Again, that was the first time you ever had an anti-hero. Superman 8.0, Spider-Man 7.7. .7. Um, Iron Man 7.0, Captain America. 6. So, I mean, she's like dwarfing them all in originality. I don't understand how you even, how do you even rank originality? You know, again, Superman's the very first hero. Batman's the first anti-hero. Spider-Man's the first hero that's just a teenager. I mean, these are all original concepts. 
being an Amazonian princess is original. But I don't see how it's any more original than anything else that was ever created. Do you know what I mean? Clearly, that's the one that put her over the top to be number one. So, hey, we need one woman to be number top. Great. Let's give her 9.3 in originality. Bankability. She's never had a successful comic book run. She's had, don't get me wrong, she's had bouts of success. Uh, Renee DeLiz is doing some Wonder Woman stuff right now. Her work is fantastic. Go check out the book. It's amazing. I would have been okay if they came out and said Black Panther be number one. Why? I mean, and again, we're going cultural impact. Black Panther, huge right now. No question about it. I mean, a huge cultural impact. That would be number one right there. Bankability. He was just part of the number one movie of the year, and he was a breakout star in the number one movie of the year. Far more than Wonder Woman. Okay, Wonder Woman was in Batman v Superman. She was the second best part of that movie. Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne was the first part, I think. And I think that's pretty universally lauded. I mean, it definitely wasn't uh, Jesse Eisenberg, and it definitely wasn't Doomsday, and it definitely wasn't anything else in that movie. Um, but she was definitely up there, um, but the second best, because she really didn't shine. I mean, she was great, and she was awesome, and I'm looking forward to her movie, but we don't know what her movie's really going to do. How bankable uh, is it, you know? Dante Lawson says Wonder Woman was a one-scene character. Agreed. In a way, she kind of was. I mean, well, she had a couple scenes. She's cool. I mean, she's a very cool character, and I like her in the trailer in Justice League, but she, by no means did she have the same impact in Batman v Superman that Black Panther had in Civil War, Okay. Design, I mean, again, Black Panther versus... She's got a cool design. I'll, I'll give her that. In fact, the design, though, doesn't beat, like, Batman's and doesn't beat... You know, it's, it's the same as Black Panther. So if we're comparing Wonder Woman and Black Panther, okay. Modern relevance. They don't give Black Panther a 10 here. Don't know why. Again, modern relevance. He's as relevant right now as you're going to get. Um, and going back to Mankability, his comic book actually sold half a million copies. Half a million copies. Wonder Woman collectively, I, well, no, she, she has sold about half a million at this point, but, like, there's no way. Like, there's just no way. So, clearly, and, and we have a producer, Rob Kay, in with us, um, a spot of premiere Stark. Why are they all movie characters from the comics set up? So many other options. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, there's no question. You have other guys here, too, and we'll talk about it in the next segment. I mean, personally, I, like I said, if Black Panther was number one, would it scream PC? At first, yes, but then on closer looking, I'd be like, no, actually, that makes total sense. This guy is on the verge. He's got his solo movie coming out. He was a breakout star. I could see that. The real number one, though, should be Iron Man, okay? And we'll talk about why in, in, in the break coming up. We've got producer Rob Kay here, and he actually mentioned, um, you know, Wonder Woman number one because maybe Hillary's being president. Uh, absolutely. But again, it's it's a forced number one. I Look, again, I get it. These things are all subjective, uh, you know. I guess the biggest thing that I'm um, a little upset with this list about uh, is because it actually, it made me sad for this reason, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it more when we come back. Um, we're going to talk about the superhero power list, and then uh, coming up later in the show, we got Russ Wooten from uh, Walking Dead, but coming up next, this is the real reason I'm so sad about this list, and you'll never guess why. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. I want to remind everybody this is a call-in show live. Uh, we do get a lot of streamers on the Periscope feed at Michael underscore Dolce. Uh, we get Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. We're talking superhero power list, Entertainment Weekly. What did you think of the list? They have Wonder Woman number one. I thought it's Scream PC, as uh, Dan T. Lawson so eloquently put that. Um, to put her number one as the most powerful superhero really it's a travesty it really is uh just by what they used to judge the list too i, I look it's there to, to spur reaction which it did and and now i'm trying to spur reaction so you guys call in so it all makes sense uh as well um but the one thing that this list actually did t for me um was got me a little sad okay because what it what it showed me was look was i expecting anything less from Look, Entertainment Weekly is extremely liberal. Um, you're every every magazine. There's nothing wrong with that either. But look, every issue is going to have um, it's going to spotlight a diverse character. It's going to have women on the cover. It's going to have uh, people minorities in the cover. No matter what, they're going to they're going to span the gamut of you know what a what a quote unquote liberal agenda is. So I'm not I'm not like surprised by it. But what makes me sad is Entertainment Weekly is now the closest thing we have to like a magazine about comics. And pop culture. And that is a void that used to be filled by Wizard Magazine, which I used to work for back in the day. And uh, I got to catch up with a lot of Wizard folks this, uh, this past weekend, and, or not this past weekend, the two weeks ago at New York Comic Con. And it's just sad because, you know, it's, it's amazing. It, it, you know, um, Dan T. Lawson, where do the common movie characters rank, e.g. Deadpool, Wolverine? Wolverine was five on the list. Deadpool was number 12. And I'll go through the list actually in a second, but I, I just want to speak real quick about Wizard Magazine. If Wizard Magazine was running this kind of list, Spider-Man would be number one. And with good reason. A, they'd always pick Spider-Man. Spider-Man was their favorite character in the, in the bullpen. So Spider-Man was always the number one guy on the list. Spider-Man is number two on this list. Uh, he would have been number one. But his bankability... I mean, his movies were terrible recently, and they're still like big movies. He's got Marvel pushing it now. He's got Marvel creatively working on it. Spider-Man could be number one. Um, Iron Man, to me, is the true number one. Because, now, he ended up seventh on the list. Um, but at the end of the day, again, Wizard used to, you know, who else is a, is a powerful voice out there to talk about movies and comics right now? Like, no one. It's, it's internet. Look, you've got Newsarama. You've got CBR, you know, for comic books. You've got Ain't It Cool News for movies. You've got Va Up Rocks. And you've got, you know, hello to at Downs, 1210 Downs. Oh, God, these people with these long usernames. I'm talking live on a radio show, and it's, uh, you know, live on air. But, again, talking about comics and movies and TV, you know, there's not really anything else out there now. Hollywood Reporter is pretty good. Um, you know, I do like, you know, certain things like that. But the void that Wizard Magazine used to fill in terms of talking about pop culture. Our guest coming up next segment also used to work at Wizard. It's how I met him and how I knew him. So we'll talk about some good days at Wizard. But, um, all right, so we talked about Wonder Woman was number one, Spider-Man was number two, Batman number three, Superman number four, Wolverine number five, ahead of Iron Man, and this is why I thought was kind of funny about that too. Marvel has now gone out of their way to nullify Wolverine. There's a time in comics when Wolverine used to be in every single issue. They would cram him in every single team. He was in like five different super teams. Uh, he was in every single issue. They did the Wolverine Origins. I mean, this is like circa 15 years ago, 10 years, 15 to 10 years ago. Um, his movies, though, his solo movies, terrible. He was the star of Days of Future Past. Very good. You know, absolutely. And he was terrific at it. Um, or terrific in that movie. But um, do you like Mrs. Brown Boys, the movie? I've never actually seen Mrs. Brown Boys, the movie. Um, you know, no idea. But, so, I mean, you have people, you have Wolverine big in Days of Futures Past, but that's, the, that's about it, though, when it comes to comics, when it comes to movies, when it comes to TV. And Marvel has now shunned him because they don't want Wolverine to, um, and Dan T. Lawson says they missed a shot with Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, I agree. But they didn't want Wolverine to be overexposed because they want the property back. They want all the X-Men property back. So to make him number five, to be honest with you, on this superhero power index is a little, it's a little strange, actually. If this, again, if this is 10 years ago, Wolverine's number one, right? Um, but Iron Man, to me, has to be number one because he is the pulse that is keeping all the Marvel movies together and coherent, right? And... Um, 
Oh, the Mrs. Brown Boys movie. See, at Downs1210 Downs was asking how I've seen the Mrs. Brown Boy movie. No, I have not seen it. We'll get into Harry Potter one day. I've never actually read a Harry Potter book nor seen a Harry Potter movie. So, well, you know, maybe that will be our next like debate that we do. We had a, we had a show where we had people call in and actually convince me to watch one of their shows. Maybe someone can actually call in and convince me to watch Harry Potter. Um, I, nothing against it. I just have no overwhelming desire. So we'll find out. We'll find out at some point. Um, but no, getting back to Iron Man, though, he's the pulse that actually keeps the entire Marvel Universe clicking. He keeps all of the Marvel movies coherent. He has become, I mean, he's the coolest guy out there. Robert Downey Jr. does an amazing job, right? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. essentially makes that, um, you know, makes Marvel movies, right? I mean, he's basically the first movie. Um, he was the Coulson before he, there was a Coulson. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, without a doubt, um, Iron Man is, to me, the pulse, and he's still going. I mean, he's going to be in Spider-Man next year. I know he doesn't have an Iron Man solo movie out, so maybe that's why you can knock him down a little bit off the pegs in terms of power index. But that was the, that's number seven, Captain America number eight, Hulk, then Black Panther number nine, uh, then The Flash, then Buffy, which I thought was interesting considering <sighs> I'm a huge Buffy fan. I'm a huge Joss Whedon fan. But why is she on the list right now? Uh, they have the Dark Horse comics. She's still relevant. Epic and classic. Yes, a spot of Premier Stark says epic, epic and classic. I agree with you. I think that's what it comes down to. I think this list should have been like three things, right? I mean, if we're going to literally have like a fanboy debate about who's the most powerful superhero, I mean... How is Superman and Wonder Woman any different? Um, can Wonder Woman, you know, uh, Saints Girl is ready for Tony to give Steve a beatdown? Well, yeah, well, that happened, you know. Uh, the new Batman. Uh, you know, the new Batman movies are, are just as bankable. Uh, the Ben Affleck movie is just as bankable. But again, we can debate powers, you know, but that's not what this power index is. It's like, I think it really comes down to those three categories, which is cultural impact, bankability, and modern relevance. Um, and I think that I think that in general, I think this list just falls short. Uh, I don't think there's a definitive one person though. Um, we had uh, again, Deadpool came in number twelve, Thor, Jean Grey, Storm, Daredevil, Green Lantern. See, then it gets into the more comic booky territory, um, which again makes me sad. Why is there you know why is there nothing? that focuses on this specifically. Like, I don't trust... I trust Entertainment Weekly for movies. I do. I trust their their judgment on movies to see, TV shows. You know, there's definitely things that... Uh, and no, we cannot talk about cars. This is... Uh, <laughs> this is. I love... See, I love our Periscope commenters. <laughs> Asked if we can talk about cars. No, we talk about uh, comics, movies, TV. This is a live radio show. It's on TalkingAlternative.com. We do this every week. Uh, I actually didn't say that at the beginning of the segment, so it's my fault, not theirs. Um, I, I miss... I miss Something that can focus on the comics, the movies, the TV. Like, that's exactly... Oh, yeah, I think he dropped off, too. Which is okay. Um, and, uh, and Entertainment Weekly is as close to what we have now. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, that's as close to what we have in terms of, um, you know, relevance to all this stuff. All right. When we come back, we are going to be, hopefully... Uh, I don't know if he's called in yet, but... Um, we're going to hopefully have Russ Wooten from uh, Walking Dead. He is one of the creators behind Walking Dead. He didn't create Walking Dead, but he does the letters. So he gets the he gets the uh, Robert Kirkman scripts, and um, and he gets it in advance. So we are expecting him to call in any minute now. So when we come back, we will be talking Walking Dead. I want to know what he does with the spoilers, because that's, to me, that's got to be like, you know, does he even... Does he tell his loved ones? Does he share it with his friends and family? Because, you know, I'm sure he gets grilled. And I wonder how much in tune he is with the TV show um, because they change things around pretty significantly. All right, when we come back, Russ Wooten, Walking Dead. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Thank you. 
Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire, and as I've now explained, we do this every week, 8 p.m., TalkingAlternative.com. Uh, every Wednesday, we talk comics, movies, TV, not cars. Um, we could talk sports, because I could, I could definitely talk to you about my poor Jets and how much um, this has not been a season to remember for them, but uh, maybe I'll start another show for sports and cars, which I know nothing about, and Harry Potter. I know nothing about Harry Potter. Both those things were, were requests tonight, uh, cars and Harry Potter, and both were both were no good. All right, we were talking superhero power list. Um, we're just waiting for Russ Wooten to come on in and talk Walking Dead. Uh, Nemesis was really the funniest thing for Wonder Woman. I got to be honest with you, I was really, really surprised about that. Um, it, it they gave her like a seven. Like, who is Wonder Woman's nemesis? Right? Like, who? Like men? Does she hate men? Is like, I guess, angry white men. Er, arg. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll get back into that, but. Um, you know, we have Russ Wooten from Walking Dead. We are going to talk Walking Dead instead because, quite frankly, that is, that's just, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait for this weekend. I want to know who, I want to know who bites it. So we're going to try to get Russ Wooten, far, no, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep Russ Wooten um, in, employed by not giving away any spoilers. Russ, are you there? Yeah, that's, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can absolutely hear you. You are live on TalkingAlternative.com. All right, so our goal tonight is to not get you fired. I, I don't want any spoilers, uh, you know. But my, my first question is, um, and we'll get into your background a little bit for, for all of our listeners and all of our readers. Um, well, I guess we don't really have readers, do we? Well, maybe we do. Um, is how, how, how connected are you? You work on the comic book. How connected are you to the show in terms of kind of knowing what's happening? I'm not connected at all, really, and that's actually... Uh, a good thing. Yes. And, hang on, let me turn my phone off. <laughs> no problem. Hang on. Okay, is this better? Yeah, I, well, I, we can hear you loud and clear, so absolutely. Okay, I just was making sure I wasn't getting any feedback. Cool. Um, yeah, I have no connection to the television show at all, which is good, because I can enjoy it with the rest of the viewers. And... You know, one of the great things about the show is is even if you've read the comic mm-hmm. religiously since the beginning, you still don't know what's going to happen on the show. So this weekend is particularly interesting for me to see what happens, you know. So, um, so you, don't, you don't just, like, shoot Kirkman an email being like, eh, so who dies this yeah. weekend? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I might be tempted, but no, I haven't done that. Um, that is probably yeah. the smartest thing ever. So great. So we can't get you fired. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's what we're right. trying to... So I have no... You know, and even if I didn't know, I'm a, I have a pretty good vault, so I would be able to keep it. I mean, you know, I, I lettered the book at least weeks, if not a month or two in advance. Yeah. So really, depending on how it's going, I mean, I think um, there was there were some times where I was, well, I, but we, we were about two or three months ahead on The Walking Dead. So, you know, there were some big spoilers. I mean, with issue 100, which yep. is covered in this episode coming up. Yep. Uh, I knew it before, you know, anyone, uh, well, anyone outside of the creative team in the book. But when I was lettering it, I mean, that was a huge shock. So and I don't want to say, I don't know if you've mentioned it, but I don't want to say what happens in the book because it may or may not happen this weekend on the show. Right, right. And, and you know, it, it, that's the fine line, too. I'm trying to not be spoilery either. So we won't name who gets right. killed in, in Walking Dead 100, even though it's out there and it's been out there for a long time. People can read right. it at any point. But you know what? Let's, let's, we'll keep it, um, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep it uh, spoiler-free as much as possible. All right, so anybody who doesn't know, uh, you letter the comic book Walking Dead, and you, uh, you actually letter other books as well, too, in the comic book industry. How, you know, it's such an overlooked... Um, but one of the most important like functions of a comic book. So how did you actually get into the business of lettering? Uh, you know, I kind of fell into it because, I mean, as you know, we, we used to work at Wizard back mm-hmm. in the day, and I was the web designer there. Um, I went to school for art. I went to, to art school and have a degree in fine arts and another degree in art education, but I went into art, you know, freelance design, specifically web design, back in 95 or so. I was still in college. 
and taught myself how to do web design. Long story short is I ended up working at Wizard. Uh, Buddy Scalera hired me there. He was the online editor at the time. Yep. And I met Chris Eliopoulos through him. And Chris Eliopoulos, uh, as you know, is... He's like, he's the letterer. He's like yeah, the he's letterer. He's letterer extraordinaire. He's <laughs> yeah. one of the first guys, uh, other than Richard Starkings. I mean, Richard Starkings mm-hmm. started kind of, is the pioneer of the digital lettering. Um, and then Chris Eliopoulos was, was right there on his heels because those guys realized that that's where it was moving, you know. And those, yeah. they, they started doing all the lettering by hand on the, the boards, you know, the mm-hmm. artboards. And um, anyway, so Chris has been lettering comics since the early 90s, because he started out interning at Marvel and learned how to letter because he was doing lettering corrections. Yeah. So anyway, I learned. I met Chris through Buddy while I was working at Wizard because we did a couple of articles with him. Sure. Uh, I think we did an interview with him for the website, and we also did uh, collaborated with him on um, uh, a couple of Wizard School things. And Wizard School was a uh, kind of a how-to, you know, sure. tips and tricks for people who wanted to get into comics yep. and mostly artists, but it was also did some writing stuff. So, um, oh, and Chris actually did a cartooning for that, uh, for our wizard school, for our right. little logo there. But, um, anyway, when I left wizard in 2001, I went to go freelance, uh, do freelance design and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in sometime in 2002, Chris called me up and wanted to know if I wanted to help him out with some lettering stuff. Oh, so you just kind of and, fell into you know, it then. Yeah. I mean, so, literally, that's way back, and uh, basically he taught me how to letter as I was basically his assistant for a while, yeah. you know, and then uh, then he ended up getting a contract with Marvel to do uh, a boatload of their books, and we ended up um, taking, he ended up taking me and three other guys on uh, as part of virtual calligraphy. Wow. Now, how did you end up getting hooked up with Robert Kirkman? Well, that's, that's and kind of goes back to the Buddy Scalera days, too, because I uh, actually met Tony Moore online okay. back in the early 90s. Well, I want to say maybe 95, mm-hmm. 94, maybe even before that, but uh, on America Online, if anybody remembers that. <laughs> and they had a wizard, uh, a wizard board on there, and Buddy okay. was the editor at the time. Uh, and we just had a small group of guys. We called ourselves Cafe DNA. We would we would come up with our projects uh, every couple of weeks or so. Let's, you know, it's like, hey, let's let's all draw a picture of Madman and upload it to the Wizard Library and see how many downloads we get. You know, see who gets the most downloads. Sure, that kind of thing. And so that developed into kind of. Um, I mean, we were doing Cafe DNA even uh, into uh, 2000 and 2001. Uh-huh. The part of kind of a little part of Wizard School and WizardWorld.com. Uh, but we were basically just amateurs, and Tony was in college at the time. I was finishing up college. Um, so I knew Tony going way back then, and then when I was working at Wizard, I think it was 2000. No, no, it was in 1999. I think it was the 1999 convention, mm-hmm. Wizard World Chicago. And uh, I finally got to meet Tony in person, and he was there with Robert, and they had a booth set up for... They're self-publishing ah, um, okay. venture called Funkotron. <laughs> Battle Pope. I don't know if you remember that book. No, I do not. <laughs> uh, you got you got to find it. If you can find it, uh, Image actually reprinted it in color. It was black and white at the first. Um, wow. It's a really yeah. It's, it's a great book. But it's so they. This was back like I said, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. They were doing Battle Pope. So I got to know, got to meet Robert there. I think he actually. That's when he met Eric Larson um, okay. in convention. And anyway, so then we kept in touch while I was at Wizard, and then after I left, and he, um, you know, he kind of kept uh, kept tabs on my lettering career, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then around, I want to say nineteen, I mean two thousand five, um, somewhere around there, he called me up because he wanted to know if I would take over lettering duties on Invincible. Oh, wow. And also, uh, eventually, on The Walking Dead, because he was trying to get these books out uh, much quicker to try to build the audience. You sure. Know? And both books at the time, I think, had some low numbers, and they, you know, he wanted to try to get them up so they didn't get canceled. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then I, I took over lettering on The Walking Dead with issue 20. So, wait, so actually, that, that actually is a great segue into my next question, though, was okay. when, when did you know that Walking Dead was a hit and you'd have steady work for the rest of your career? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I probably, jeez, uh, I would have to say it was a couple years into it, maybe. Uh, well, when we realized that it became a hit in comics, 
you know, long before the TV show. Right, exactly. It was huge. Tim said TV adaptations. I think NBC was interested at one point. Um, and this was back in like 2006 or seven or something. Mm-hmm. But I probably around 2007, 2008, I realized that this not only was The Walking Dead really just going gangbusters and comics, it started to really pick up and yeah. it had tons of readers. And not only that, but I was getting other independent work through word of mouth, either through Robert himself or uh-huh. through other guys. You know, Tony was, do- Tony was doing a book with Rick Remender okay. called uh, Fear Agent, and yep. they asked me to come and letter that book. And so I lettered that entire series, which is a hell of a fu- lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how I got in, hooked up with Rick Remender, uh, who I letter several books for now. And have, so I've been kind of working with him for like 10 years or more as well. And then also I got hooked up with Joe Casey way back in the day. Um, sure. Not long after I started working with Robert on The Walking Dead. And so that, that parlayed into me taking over lettering duties on Godland, and, which was an image book. And then, um, so yeah, somewhere around, you know, a couple years after I started lettering The Walking Dead, was when I realized. And then in 2011, um, my independent work outside of the Marvel stuff mm-hmm. with, for virtual calligraphy was taking off. And I realized, you know, I, I could probably just do this all on my own and break away from and Chris and virtual calligraphy, and then I was only lettering three books at that time for virtual calligraphy anyway, and sure. so I thought, you know, I could give these books to the other guys who could use a couple of books at the time, Yeah, and then, you know, I'll pick up a couple other in- independent books and I'll be good. Well, it's funny, actually, a yeah. couple couple things you mentioned, too. One was the NBC Interest in Walking Dead, and I'm sure you've heard the story, but uh, Robert Kirkman had a meeting with the uh, executives at NBC, and they're like, we love it, we love everything about this. Does it have to be zombies? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's the entire show. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we could do The Walking Dead about zombies, not about zombies. Yeah. That's right. The, that's, I guess they wanted something like a, just a post-apocalyptic thing. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, you know, I, I, I have a lot of friends who are, are kind of entrenched in the Hollywood um, cycle of right. pitching and stuff like that. So when I heard that story, I'm like, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty typical. Well, have you heard the story about how it, it, he got Image to publish The Walking Dead? No, I don't know that story. Please. The quick, the, the quick story is, and uh, you can find a good, you can find a video of Robert Kirkman telling this story a lot better. Um, <laughs> and also, and, and Eric Stevenson as well, they do a better job, I'm sure. But the thing was, uh, he had done, Robert had done, was already publishing Invincible. Uh-huh. He had done Tech Jacket with them, and he yep. had also done uh, I think he had done a Super Patriot miniseries um, as okay. well, mm-hmm. and so uh, so he brought up with The Walking Dead, and they were like, ah, "I'm not sure." At the time, um, uh, who was who was publisher? My mind has gone blank right now. Wasn't Eric Stevenson? It was Larson. Eric, no, it was Eric Larson at the time. Uh, or was no, was it or was it Valentino? Valentino, that's right. That was yeah. the end of Valentino's run right. as publisher. So Valentino, he wasn't sure. He's like, I don't know. I'm just not into the zombie thing. Right. right. And so we need a hook besides just zombies. So Robert told them, well, it's not. Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it is zombies. But the thing is, is the zombies are here because it's uh, it's a precursor to an alien invasion. <laughs> what you've done is they've. <laughs> the aliens have seeded the earth with some sort of virus to sort of wipe out that humanity so they can come and take over. And so they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. I think, I yeah, let's go with that. That's a, kind of a nice twist, you know. And so I guess they were several issues in. And I don't remember how many. I want to, I want to say like seven, but it might not have been that many. But anyway, it was, it was pretty good into the, to the run. They were already, you know, uh, had established a story. And I guess Eric Stevenson talked to Robert and called him up and said, Robert, you know, I'm really loving The Walking Dead. You, what you guys are doing is great. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I, I don't see anything. You know, you said you're going to be dropping these Easter eggs with the alien invasion and stuff in here. <laughs> and I'm just not seeing them. Well, what am I missing? And I guess Robert started laughing and said, there's no alien invasion. <laughs> I just said that so you guys would pick it up. <laughs> That's fu- uh, Do you know Ryan Bodenheim at all? Um, uh, no, the name really. Oh, man. He does. Uh, he, he, he did. He, did uh, he drew Red Mask from Mars. Um, for oh, okay. image, and he also draws. He does some Valiant covers and stuff like that. And he, you know, one time I was working, I was like having him workshop one of my pitches for one of my comics, and he's like, "Just say anything you want. Just get it picked up." At that point, you know, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's right. I mean, it's true to the degree, especially if you're selling. I mean, I think you know, The Walking Dead didn't start out with big numbers. That's why the first few issues are 
worth a shitload of money on eBay. Yeah. But the but they you know they they quickly. Uh, well, I don't know about quickly, but at some point they became a pretty solid, you know, it was a pretty right. solid um, story. And then there was a point, I'm not sure when, I want to say probably around the time Michonne was introduced in 19 or maybe shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they just started, the numbers just kept going up every month. So, you know, that's when, uh, you know, that was a, that was a big thing. So I think that's when. So without naming names. Uh, and tying it into the season premiere coming up, when you first got the script for Walking Dead 100, you kind of mentioned it a, a little while ago. Yeah, you said d- your your jaw just dropped when they when they killed blah 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 blah. Right, um, because you know I a lot some of the books that I let her well not so much now like when I was doing some Marvel stuff I would let her often I would let her books out of order because I didn't really some of the books I just was it wasn't something I was going to read right yeah like I remember I let her the series called Fifteen Love. That was aimed at teenage, you know, prepubescent girls. It was a, kind of a manga title about a what, what do you mean that's not in your wheelhouse? Come on. Right? So that was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I have no idea what happened in that book. Because I was lettering it all out of order. Um, but with stuff like The Walking Dead and most of the books I letter now, pretty much all the books I letter now, I tend to letter it either I, either I read through the script ahead of time mm-hmm. or I read it as I letter the book. And with The Walking Dead 100, I read it. As I was lettering, because I knew there was going to be something big happening in yeah. 100. I just had a few, you know, because he'd already done something big with 50, issue 50, I think, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with issue 75. But, you know, 100, that was a big mark for indie books, you know, sure. with Image. So I knew something big was going to happen. And we had, and then you had Negan, and I was like, oh, what, you know, what is going to happen with this? So when, yeah, so when it happens, when when somebody gets killed, yeah, it was gut-wrenching. I mean, it was like, because, uh, you know, it wasn't just a letter. I'm a fan of the book. So I was like, oh, my God, this is this is intense. This they, is going to this is gonna blow people away. They had a, I, I read an interview, or I, I watched an interview with him, uh, with Kirkman, and he was actually talking about that because he, he also, you know, the show was going on while 100 was out, you know, when, while he right. was writing 100. And he's just like, he brought it to the writer's room at the show, and he's like, yeah, well, I'm writing the script for 100, and, uh, you know, we got a major character who's going to get killed. And they're all like, oh, who is it? Who is it? And he's like, well, I don't want to tell you, because then you're going to, you know. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 tell us, tell us. And he's like, okay, it's blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, not that guy. You know, yeah. not, not blah, blah, blah. Well, especially <laughs> at the time in the book, this character was one that's a beloved character. I mean, even yeah. in the show as well, but but I think it more. I think it was he, uh, he or she was more of what would you say? Um, this character was more of a focal point, I think, in the in the book at the time than this character is in the show. Which is another reason I'm not, I'm not sure if they're going to kill off this character or not. I you know. Well, do you think it's going to be blah 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 or who's he wants it or right right <laughs> bug. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have some ideas. I mean, I feel like if they kill this character that they killed in the books, it'll, it'll still be an emotional impact. But I also wonder, you know, because another thing's happened with, I think Robert mentioned in an interview once that, or maybe somebody else had just mentioned it just in, in you know, a review or something, but with the introduction of, uh, um, for the TV show with Daryl. Yes. Right? Daryl ends up, certain characters in the book, Daryl sort of takes that place, of the, you know, sort of like, right. you know, um, Rick's right-hand man, right? You know, so during the show, I think there were certain characters who got killed who might not have gotten killed if Daryl hadn't been there. Right. So wasn't, and for people who don't read the comics, Daryl is, is not in the comics. Right, so exactly. Completely. Do you think that they would have the balls to kill off Daryl on the show? Oh, man, I don't know. I used to say no. I mean, I would have said up until just recently, I would have said no. Um, I still don't think they will. Uh, I don't think it's because of balls. Because I actually think they have the balls to kill off anybody. You know, yeah. I think if you look at if you look at the book, uh, obviously Robert doesn't have as much control over the show as he does the book because he's in the writers room. Uh, of course, you know he's not the showrunner, right? Right. So, and I don't know all the dynamics of that, but I know that AMC has a say and. So I don't think it's about balls. I think that they, I think they would kill just anyone. If think, I think if it would help the story, they would do it. 
The big dog Inc. actually just uh, chimed in on Periscope. It's Daryl. Trust me. <laughs> you know what? If they did my that, money wouldn't, my money wouldn't be on Daryl. And, and there's a couple of reasons. Um, like I said, again, for anybody listening, I have no idea what goes right. on the show. And right. So do not fire him from his job of lettering too, the book. I've never, even, I've never seen the show. Well, they shoot the show in Atlanta, but I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. So, but my gut says it's not Daryl. There's a couple reasons why. One person said, "Well, he does this new show. You know, he's right. got this new show with AMC where he rides <laughs> motorcycle around, does this and this." So maybe he doesn't have Walking Dead. I'm like, well, yeah, but that show runs, you know, he shoots that show. He started shooting that show after The Walking Dead. You know, it wasn't like right. it wasn't like it would be shooting concurrently, right? And then there's another thing I saw Daryl uh, or Norman Reedus on, uh, oh, shit, what was he on the other day? Um, I want to say uh, Seth Meyers. Okay. It might have been, yeah, I think it was Seth Meyers because it was, I think it was the night before Chris Heliopoulos was on Seth Meyers. No, okay. Um, and if you didn't catch that, you should check that out. I, I had no idea he was on that. That's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, let's see. Uh, oh, so anyway, Daryl mentioned, Daryl, <laughs> Norman Reed has mentioned <laughs> that he had opened up, recently opened up a, a restaurant in, in Georgia, near yeah. Atlanta. And so I'm thinking, mm, I don't know. I feel like he's got some roots there. But who knows? He might have opened up the restaurant and they, you know, and the showrunner said, hey, by the way, we're killing your character. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, they might have been like, you should think good. about other employment ventures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cause, yeah. cause, um, all right. Well, Russ, we're going to have you back on first thing next week because we're going to talk yeah. about that particular scene with gobbledygook and blah, 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 and who's he wants yeah. it. And we're going to figure out. But uh, in the meantime, people can go to my Twitter page at Michael underscore Dolce and you can vote. I got it pinned to the top. We have a Walking Dead poll. Who do you think gets killed? Russ, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week and uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, me too. I think a lot of people are. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next no week problem. as well. Okay. All right. That was Bye. Russ Wooten. He's the letterer on the Walking Dead comic. Uh, we've talked about so much, and we're like running into the last segment. So when we come back, uh, we're we're gonna try to squeeze in some uh, some spinning the racks. We got a couple of news. We got some Star Wars news. We got some Guardians of the Galaxy news, and we've got one of the best honest trailers you'll ever see. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. I want to thank Russ Wooten for joining us. He will be my first back-to-back guest. Um, but theoretically speaking, we could have back-to-back guests on every week. Uh, you could simply call in, 877-480-4120, and uh, we'll chat. We'll, we'll definitely talk about all the topics of the day. Uh, you can become a sponsor. Uh, go to the Patreon page. Go to michaeldolce.com. It'll take you to the Patreon page. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot D-O-L-C-E dot com. And it'll take you to the Patreon page. And for 10 bucks a month, uh, we'll we'll give you 15 seconds to do whatever you want. And uh, we'll, you got a, got a Kickstarter to, to push? We'll push it for you. We'll basically be your best friend. And that's, and that's essentially what Patreon is, is we will be your best friend for money. Uh, I, got, I got Rob K. Uh, filling in for Sam Leewood's behind, behind it. And uh, he was just talking about Russ and the art of lettering. 
I mean, uh, going back to you know, 20 years ago, it was all pre, it was all pre-computers. I mean, people used to literally just like paste word balloons on top of, um, or they would draw it directly on the, the page and the artist had to really make sure that they weren't, uh, you know, leave, you know, that they were leaving enough space. So there's, there's a whole art form to it. Um, at some point, um, you know, come to me and talk to me at, at, at conventions. I'll be at a convention next month. It's New Jersey Comic Expo, November, I believe. It's 18th and 19th uh, down in Edison, New Jersey. So come check it out. And uh, we appreciate everybody who has kind of followed my work. I got a new uh, short story coming out in uh, for Zenoscope. It's Grimm's Fairy Tales. Grimm's Fairy Tales Holiday or Tales of Terror Holiday Edition. I'll get all the details of it. It'll be coming out in December as well, too. I want to thank all the Periscope people who chimed in um, and who are joining us. Again, we do this every week talking comics movies tv live on talkingalternative.com this gets turned into a podcast we're on itunes it's the last plugging i swear to god we're on itunes just search secrets of the sire secrets of the sire search my name michael dolce on itunes and uh, you'll get this in there all right we do this every week uh we go spinning the racks talking about the uh, latest and greatest comic book news. Um, actually, we won't say comic book. The latest pop culture news. We're a pop culture show. We talk about it all. So, all right. J.J. Abrams took to um, the extended, I don't know, some foreign extended edition. Um, he has some exclusive commentary, and he talks about that fateful scene. Uh, and look, we're, we've been very spoiler-free, but at this point, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens, you... I can't help you. I mean, it's been out for almost a year. So um, the faithful scene where Han Solo bites it, um, which was which was gut wrenching and terrible. And uh, people they people always ask Abrams if the youngster playing was playing with his father's emotions, meaning Kylo Ren, and planned to murder him the whole time. But J.J. Abrams kind of reveals he says Kylo Ren in this moment is actually being convinced to walk away from this. So there is that scene. So whether or not. You know, and that is a question, you know, was he suckering him in the entire time? Was he, was he, or was he genuinely, you know, mixed with what he was going to do? Uh, and JJ said, yes, he was mixed is what he was going to do. And we'll be interested to see what happens uh, in the next installment of the movie. J.J. Um, Abrams also added, obviously, anytime two characters in Star Wars go on an incredibly thin bridge, 10 miles above the ground, with no railings, it's not going to end well for one of them. So that was stating the obvious. Um, we had one of the best honest trailers out there. Uh, actually, we'll go with two trailers. The Guardians of the Galaxy 2 trailer. Um, I guess the teaser trailer. It's not the real trailer. Because I was going to say, it really doesn't really show much of anything. Uh, it's got Drax and it's got uh, Chris Pratt's character uh, hugging at one point. It's got Chris Pratt's character, though, um, also having the mask on a bunch, which actually is kind of cool now that you think about it. Um, there's, a, there's a scene, too. It looks almost like directly out of Empire Strikes Back where he's kind of like, he's got the mask and he kind of just goes up and it just reminded me uh, so much of like scenes where they're going in and out of the Millennium Falcon. Um, I, probably not intentional, uh, probably just my own, you know, inner brain kind of looking at that. And then we had an honest trailer for Ghostbusters 2016. Ghostbusters 2016 gets an honest trailer. For those who have never seen these online, they're amazing. Uh, basically, uh, Screen Junkies takes movies and they do an honest trailer where they basically review the movie, uh, but they do it in trailer format. And they had the guy's voice is amazing uh, doing it in trailer format. And he basically is like, how did this become the most political movie, uh, you know, in an election uh, year? Uh, the Big Dog Inc. just chimed in. Best honest trailer ever. It really was, um, you know, and, and it, it, they're very honest, like extremely honest. They hit every single point um, of, you know why this was bad and you know go see the batman v superman one that one uh i definitely give that one a thumbs up as well too all right we were talking about the superhero power list today um if you if you missed it early on in the first two segments wonder woman was ranked number one by entertainment weekly entertainment weekly has a specific agenda um i mean i'm not saying this in a bad way i'm just saying in an obvious way look if you if you if you're into you know if you're into right-wing conservatism, you, you read Fox News. If you're into, uh, you know, a more socially liberal, you know, agenda, you read Entertainment Weekly. They, they, that's what they, look, that's what they're doing. That's what they're pushing. I don't fault them. I actually like it. It's one of my favorite magazines. I enjoy it. But you know it. You know that they're, that they're pushing an agenda of some kind. Now, they're also trying to spur conversation. Uh, Wonder Woman was ranked number one. Highly disagree with that as number one, um, even based on their own criteria. Just because a lot of the criteria is subjective. So when it becomes subjective, then all of a sudden it's influenced by 
hey, we want to get people talking. Look, I get it. If they made Superman number one, if they made Batman number one, they made Spider-Man number one, we wouldn't be talking about it on the show right now. So they're also have an agenda. They need to sell magazines. They need, you know, and magazines is a dying, you know, art form in and of itself. So I get it. It's not something that I don't get. It's not something that, um, you know, and like I said, I really highly enjoy the magazine. I think they do a great job with all this stuff. But really what it had me missing was, and Russ Wooten was our guest, um, you know, I had met Russ while working at Wizard, is there's a void out there. There's a void out there for really... Doing features about comic books, Champion Magazine was an uh, was an app that tried to do that, and uh, and and unfortunately, I don't believe it's still around anymore. In fact, I know it's not still around anymore. Maybe there's going to be. I mean, I know there's like a dozen blogs. There's like a there's like you know, dozen blogs. There's like a, you know thousands of blogs out there that I'm sure are filling the void. But it's nothing like having that issue, that magazine. And, and for our younger listeners and younger viewers, I'm sure they don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, what's a magazine? But, I mean, being a subscriber to Wizard was amazing. Every month, having a magazine delivered to your doorstep that just was completely about the comic book world, uh, completely about the characters that we out now all love. And uh, one day, we're going to have uh, Buddy Scalera, who was also mentioned. We're going to have him, um, you know, we're going to have him on the show at some point as well, too, because he's got some great Wizard stories. Uh, at some point, he's going to do a book about Wizard magazine. And for anybody who's on the inside, uh, like I was, uh, you know, I worked there for four years myself, met a lot of great people. It, 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 it was an interesting, it was one of the best jobs I ever had. And it was also one of the best jobs because not only was the content and material so great, but the people were great, too. All right. I want to know what you guys think. So please hit me up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash secrets of the sire. You can go to secrets of the sire dot com. You can make you can comment on any of the blogs um, and I'll read your comments on air. Go to my Twitter account, twitter.com slash Michael underscore. That's the not the dash, but the underscore Dolce. We have a poll up there right now. Which Walking Dead character bites the dust this Sunday? Uh, we discussed that with Russ Wooten, so you can catch us on iTunes. Catch this podcast on iTunes on Friday, and then we're gonna have Russ back on next week. Russ works on the Walking Dead comic, uh, so I am just as excited as he is now because he has no idea who's gonna bite the dust either. Um, and we give you a couple choices. We got three days left of the poll. We're gonna run the poll right up till eight o'clock Sunday night. So next week, we talk Walking Dead, we talk Who Bites the Dust, and then we're going to rank our top 10 most powerful pop culture deaths. See you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on talkingalternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? 
then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Robin Callie Show, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network, 